Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Follen. Thanks for listening. This episode is supported by The Podcast Host, helping you launch, grow and monetize your own podcast. So if you've got one in the back of your brain that you're hoping to bring to life or you've already got one and you want to make it even better, check them out, The Podcast Host. Right now, though, let's find out what it's like being freelance for motion designer Austin Saylor. Biggest thing for me has been writing my blog. I started writing a blog about a year before I went freelance. And so I was putting my own, my message out there about creativity, productivity, motion design. And so I was starting to build a name for myself just through my blog. And I started getting projects just from kind of putting myself out there. Most of the people that I work with aren't the ones that know me. It's the ones that know me that refer me to the people that need work. Yes, that is Austin. More from him in a moment. Hope you're well. Hope business is going well for you and all is going well in your life. Check out beingfreelance.com. It's the website where you've got over 70 guests to listen to. People sharing their experiences of being freelance, some great tips and advice and uh, and stories in there. And join us on Twitter at Being Freelance. We've also got our mail out that you can subscribe to for more freelance ideas. Should we crack on though and go to the States and talk to freelance motion designer Austin Saylor? Hey, Austin. Hello. Hello, sir. Whereabouts are you based? I'm in Boone, North Carolina. That's the western part of North Carolina which is on the East Coast. Well, I'm not on the East Coast. I'm in the mountains. In the mountains? Yeah. Is it like snow, snowy at this time of year? Uh, it usually has snowed by now, but it actually uh, has not yet, which I'm, oh, I'm grateful cool. for. It's been nice and warm. Cool. Sounds beautiful. Yeah. Um, so you're a freelance motion designer. You specialize with lettering animation. So we'll, we'll come to all of this, but let's find out how you got started being freelance, how you've ended up where you are today. Yeah. So my quick story of my background is I went to school and did graphic design for you know college. Got a job doing graphic design, which transitioned into doing user interface design, and then kind of transitioned into doing some video marketing. Got into more marketing, you know, just like email marketing, understanding all of that world. And then I kind of put together that, oh, I can take the graphics that I make and the videos that I make and do animations on the video. So I learned how to do those animations, got more interested in that animation side of things. And uh, yeah, I just pursued uh, doing my own animation projects on the side for a while, while I was holding a full-time job and started picking up clients here and there, really not that many projects, but um, eventually got to a place where I was like, okay, now they're starting to come in and I've wanted to go do something on my own for a few years and just took the plunge. But you, so you say you'd wanted to, you know, to do it on your own for a while. What, what was it that made you wanted to do, you know, do something on your own? Um, I don't know the, the, if there's one answer to that, but I've just, I guess since I started working, I, I had this thing in me that just wanted to see if I could do it. Like, can I make it on my own? And I like the idea of working wherever I wanted um, kind of that freedom of mobility and freedom to choose when I work and what I work on. And I, I worked at my job for eight years and tried several different things. I tried freelancing with web design and I failed miserably. I tried starting a leather company where I was making leather wallets 
and wow. it never got off the ground, I guess. Um, I was selling stuff, but it just, I didn't have the business chops to like make it work at the time. I just was fumbling around trying to figure things out. And I think by the time I had been doing, you know, my side projects for about five or six years, I was starting to understand how to run a business, how to attract clients. And yeah, it just, it, it worked the, the third or fourth try. <laughs> so uh, just to put this in perspective then, how long have you been freelance? Like, freelance, what's the time scale in here? Um, almost nine months. So pretty fresh to freelance. So less than a year actually being freelance, but you would, you've been doing it on the side for quite some time right. previous to that. Right. So when you finally decided to go freelance, was there like a specific, because I mentioned earlier about, you know, lettering animation, for example, was there a specific niche early on that you did, you know, that you definitely wanted to go for? Or have you just found that that's what people want? When I started going freelance, like just like, you know, I quit my job and I declared to the world, I'm a freelance motion designer. I was taking on any kind of motion design project. I liked doing letter, lettering animation type things um, because of my own, I had a personal interest in the hand lettering world. There's lots of amazing hand lettering artists out there that I admire and have tried my hand at that. Um, I wouldn't call myself a hand lettering artist, but I love taking their work and bringing it to life with animation. So I enjoyed doing those projects, but those weren't the ones that paid the bills at first. And I'm, now that I've been doing this for eight months and been thinking about it and practicing the lettering animation things, um, really starting to call myself that. And it's starting to attract more and more lettering type of projects, which is fun. How would you say it attracts those jobs? Like, do you... Um, I don't know, invest in SEO, for example, for lettering animation or whatever it might be? Or is it just word of mouth? I don't know. Um, it, I haven't done any like SEO specific tactics, but um, the biggest thing for me has been writing my blog. I started writing a blog about a year before I went freelance. And so I was putting my own, my message out there about creativity, productivity, motion design. And so I was starting to build a name for myself just through my blog. And when I went freelance, I started, I was a big fan of Casey Neistat. I thought, man, I'm going to do a daily vlog. I'm going to shoot a video every day. It's going to be amazing. (laughs) I did that for maybe seven or eight days and just got burnt out. It was like too much work. Um, But those, those seven or eight videos that I put out got people's attention and I started getting projects just from kind of putting myself out there and explaining my situation, not like I didn't go out and ask for projects like, hey, I'm freelance. Does anybody have any projects to send me? I decided to go the, more the route of I'm going to tell my journey and put my story out there. And then that started attracting um, mostly like referrals from people that were, I knew that were motion designers. They were like, hey, I've got a project I can't handle. It's too much. I have too much on my plate. Do you want to take this project or... Uh, I don't know, it was just, it was an interesting kind of word of mouth thing that happened. Really interesting. So that blog, so it was a mixture of talking through your work, but also talking about your experience of becoming freelance. Yeah. So I, was, I tried to be, I, I like being really transparent, like as transparent as I feel like I can be. And so I, I talked about the struggles of, I don't have clients lined up for a long time. Like I have 
you know, a, a month worth of projects and I don't know what's going on after that. So it's scary, but I, I have faith that I can figure this out. I've put money away to, in savings to make sure that I have a buffer in case projects don't come in. So people really get to know you. Do you find that by the time you come to work with them, they, they feel like they know you? Um, to a certain extent, yeah. And, and it's interesting. I, most of the people that I work with aren't the ones that know me. It's the ones that know me that refer me to the people that need work, ah, if that makes yeah. sense. So I, yeah. the motion design industry seems to be the people that get to know me, and they're the ones that are connected to tons of studios or other companies that need work. And I tend to be somebody that they refer to those other people that they know. So you started that about a year before you went freelance, your blog, that is. Yeah. I noticed on your website as well, for example, you've got a guide to lettering animation. Yeah. Um, you know, so we can sign up to your mailing list, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Did you do that before you went freelance as well? Nope. I did that about two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> what 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 brought that on then you're just trying different well, things yeah it's a it was a, a mi- sort of a mixture of trying new things and I, I just really want to to discover i think my the the quote-unquote tagline i've given myself is i want to discover the depths of lettering animation and that says it as succinctly as i can i love the lettering world and i want to figure out the best ways to make those really cool pieces of art come to life and so putting it out there and saying, like, here's a guide. I've already, you know, I've researched stuff and I've been working on this stuff for a year or two. I want to help other people because these the, the lettering artists are not animators. And I've seen this kind of missing piece of the puzzle that's this intersection of lettering artists and animators or animation in general. And most of those pieces remain static. And I just love to like bring those to life. And I've had a lot of interest of other people saying, how do you do that? I really want to learn how to do that. So that's why I made the guide. Mm. And do you think you might evolve that further, like do a course or something? Yeah, that's kind of the idea. My current goal is to push really hard with client work to build up a bigger buffer in my business account so that I can have maybe six months of salary to pay myself. It's like a really big goal for myself because I've never made that much money. So trying to push myself into a, a realm of something that previously felt unattainable, but I just, I kind of, I'm a big believer in having big goals and setting something above what's comfortable. So I'm shooting for making more money than I've made before so that I can take some time to build a course, but not just build the course. I want to really dig in and find it, find all of those different avenues that I can take the lettering animation and then build the course. So, I mean, because you you mentioned side projects earlier. So do you find that you have time for them when you're focusing now, you know, as a full-time freelancer on client work? No. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I don't know. The the answer is not super easy because I guess the, the lettering animation sort of is a side project. Um, Yeah, Yeah. But it's, you know, it's part of my business strategy model and whatnot um so it's not exactly it's not just a for fun project um i haven't done any just for fun projects in a while because i've chosen to focus so heavily on building that client reputation working with more clients and working on this lettering stuff which i find super energizing i really enjoy the client work and the lettering animation so i don't i don't have that need that that feeling of oh i just need to do something creative on my own. 
I haven't reached a point where like I'm tired of that yet. Yeah, that's good. But how do you find that balance of still putting aside time to work on for it? You know, basically the stuff that isn't directly paying mm-hmm. you money, mm-hmm. like your be it your blog or your lettering animation or your plans. Sure. The man, I think something that I learned a couple of years ago before I started writing the blog was I have more time in my day than I would like to admit. And I've chosen not to watch TV, occasionally watch a TV show online with my wife while we eat dinner. But I've cut out a lot of the extraneous stuff that didn't help me reach my goals in order to focus on writing my blog every week. That's just something that I do now. I don't think about it. I just, I do it. Or if it doesn't go on my blog, it goes in the newsletter. So just learning to to make the time and choosing how to spend my time helps me find that balance of getting stuff done that brings money in and doing the things that are a little bit more future focused. And that newsletter, that's an extension of your blog, is it? Yeah, the, the newsletter, it's interesting. I, I haven't figured out exactly like, some perfect cadence of writing a, a blog and writing different content for a newsletter. But I try to give people that have signed up for a newsletter a little bit more of an inside look at what's going on. You know, I appreciate them handing over their precious email account. So I like mm. to give them a little bit more value. And did you find it? I've asked this of a few people like that, that when you start a newsletter, basically you're starting from zero mm-hmm. And how you find that motivation to write when you have a small audience, should we say, a small audience for that <laughs> newsletter? Yeah. that that It took a, quite a bit of discipline to keep writing when the numbers were coming in very, very slowly. Um, announcing something is fun, like, hey, I've got a newsletter. Hey, I've got a new blog that I'm doing. And, you know, you, you get a couple of subscriptions like, oh, that's exciting. And then for like the next two months, three months, four months, they just trickle in one or two at a time. <laughs> and it, it can be a little bit um, disheartening. There's a, a podcast that I listen to, the Sean West podcast. And one of the things that Sean McCabe talks about there is showing up for two years without expecting any results. And I think that hmm. that stuck with me. It was like, okay, no, that's that's really good because I've, I've never stuck with something long enough to see if I can actually make it something. Any of my side projects, I just would fizzle out at some point when it wasn't stimulating enough. It wasn't exciting enough. And so I finally stuck with something long enough to uh, start seeing some results. Yeah, it's cool. Nice, yeah. And uh, you mentioned Sean McCabe because I, I think I saw on, on Twitter and what have you that you, he, I mean, he held a conference recently, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Didn't you go to that? I did. I went to that conference. It was really, really good. Do you go to a lot of conferences or was that your first kind of experience? Um, I've been to several since I, let's see, right before I, I went freelance, I started going to conferences as, well, let me back up. The the work, the job that I worked at sent me to like Adobe Max, the really just huge creative conference in California a couple of times. And that was, you know, eye-opening, like, man, there's so many creative people out here and I can connect with so many people but it was hard to find people that were my people, so to speak. Like there were, you know, any type of creative person you can imagine was there. Um, but then finding these smaller niche conferences were what got really fun. Uh, so I went to one called Creative South in Georgia, and that's just a, a lot of lettering artists. And the size of it is like 800 
700 people, 800 people instead of like the 5,000 that are at Creative South. Um, so that was exciting to find some of these smaller niche design conferences. And then, and then, yeah, the Sean West conference was really unique because I've been a member of the Sean West community for coming on two years, which was kind of like the time that I started writing my blog. So I'd, I'd gotten to know probably about 50 of the hundred people that were at the conference. So I already knew pretty well or was very familiar with about half of the people at this conference. And that was just like a really unique experience to come in and not feel like you have to introduce yourself and explain what you do. It was just this, Mm. man, we already know each other. We're just meeting in in real life and getting to go deeper and a little bit more personal. Yeah. And what do you feel like you get out of those conferences? The thing that I get the most out of a conference is the connection with people. I enjoy listening to the talks, but really the the value for me comes from the, the hallway conversations, getting to know a handful of people a lot better than just, you know, seeing their Twitter profile picture or something. Those kind of relationships last longer to me, like getting to know somebody in person, build something a little bit longer lasting. And the only reason I'm able to be freelance right now is because of the relationships I've built. And a lot of those have to do with meeting in person at conferences. So that, Mm. that to me is the value of a conference is making those connections and starting to build relationships yeah, it's huge. And and do you come away with ideas as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's another good one. Um, like, for instance, the coming out of the Sean West conference, I knew that I wanted to make this guide a little better, but the theme of the conference was Think Bigger, and hearing a lot of other people's Think Bigger ideas was very inspiring to, to like, hey, no, maybe I should do more than just you know, making the course better or or making the the guide better. I can really put a lot of effort into making this this, um, course a reality and I can do it sooner than I think. Like I don't have to wait years and years to make something that will help other people. One of the most practical pieces of advice that I got from the conference was from Nathan Berry who runs ConvertKit, an email marketing company, uh, email service provider. Like you send out emails through convert kit and he said one of the one of the biggest things for them was realizing that you don't have to wait till the product is perfect it's better to to send out version 1.0 of like for me it would be the lettering animation course and then like shortly after take that feedback get real iterative and make 1.1 as soon as you can 1.2 that's better for getting a product out there getting feedback putting it in that feedback loop and making it better and better. So that was kind of a a cool insight that got me thinking like, okay, I can make this, I can make this happen sooner than later. I don't have to wait forever. Yeah. Okay. Listen, since we've been mentioning podcasts, let's just pause for a moment and mention that this one is supported by the podcast host. They are the guys to go to if you're thinking about growing your own podcast. So be it starting one from scratch and needing to bash ideas around or you've got one and you want help with it they can help you figure out the equipment you might need learn the editing techniques all the stuff that you might want to know about actually how to host it you know like creating the artwork or where to put it creating show notes how to get it listed on itunes and so on and so forth if you need help editing they can even do that too 
the podcast host. There is a link to them at beingfreelance.com. And as ever, use the promo code FREELANCE to get money off should you end up buying anything off them as well. Anyway, tell them I said hi and thanks to them as ever. Right, back to you though, Austin. And on your website, I'm, I was really struck by the way you show off your, your work the case studies that you have, uh, which is really detailed. Obviously, we'll put links at beingfreelance.com so people could go through and take a look. But um, was that, I mean, was that something you did st- straight away? No. <clears throat> My tendency was not to do that. Um, but that was another another uh, point that Sean McCabe makes in his, in his uh, podcast. It's uh, if you want to attract clients, you want to show that you are able to think and process and solve problems. And so to, to me, I make the analogy of when you do a math problem in, in grade school, your teacher wants to see your work, like show the work, I want to see how you got to that solution. And so that's, a, that's an important thing for clients to be able to, to, to look through and see like, okay, this designer is not just going to send out whatever he thinks looks good. He has a process and a, a way of thinking through solving the, the the visual problem. Yeah, it's good. And and you also have a page where you just simply detail your process, mm-hmm. um, telling a client exactly what they can expect. Have you found that that helps? Or, I mean, maybe you did it from the beginning, but if not, did you find that having that up there solved issues or, you, you know? I don't know how much it's helped because I I did start with that. I haven't tested without it, but I haven't sent it to every single client. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. That's like the, my process. If I'm coming in from the, the ground up and I am the, the animator, the designer, and I do all of those pieces together, like I'm the art director. If, it, it's basically for when a, cl- a company comes to me and says, we want a video and you're the guy that we want to do that for us. But a lot of my, a lot of my clients have been studios and so they have their own set of processes, but it's nice for them to be able to see like, okay, Austin thinks through, he has a process. We do things slightly differently. We'll talk about it. But sometimes I'm brought in just as the animator. So in those cases, I'm not going through every step of that process because maybe they hand me finalized designs and I'm just the one that makes a move. But I, I can't imagine that having my process up there it's not stopped anybody like well that's how heavy works we can't hire him just to animate like (laughs) they get to see that i can do a lot and so that means i can also do just a little bit and when you're working with studios i presume you're working remotely yes so how you know you mentioned at the beginning there like you could work wherever you wherever you wanted is that always from home or do you travel and work i've been all over the place and worked um the Almost the first week that I went freelance, I went down to the beach. My grandparents have this timeshare condo, so they had that week. And my parents were down there, and my wife was off on a business trip. So I took my computer and went down to the beach and worked with the beach view for a week, which was really, you know, just a a nice kickoff of, hey, I am freelance. I can work anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) That that was just like a, a little icing on the cake of, no, I think this is the right decision. <laughs> yeah, that does. That sounds like a nice celebration. Way, way to start, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And um, you also mentioned that you didn't feel like you had the business chops, you know, when you started out doing things on the side while mm-hmm. you had a job. Do you feel differently now? Yeah, I feel a lot differently. Um, 
I, I think at the time I even felt like I had the business chops and I slowly figured out that I didn't. <laughs> um, so even though I think I do now, I'm actually seeing like I'm, I'm doing it on my own. I'm making enough to live off of the proof is in the pudding, so to speak. So it, it's interesting to, to look back on that time and, and see that, see that I thought I knew what I was doing and realizing now that no, I didn't. And I'm sure that five years from now, I'll look back on what I was doing today and think, man, I really thought I had it together, but I had no idea. <laughs> um, so I'm excited about just that, that whole learning and growing. And that's one of my biggest, um, core beliefs is that it's it's important to continue to learn and grow and try to pull other people up with you and so I, yeah it's awesome yeah i'm i feel like i'm in a good place and that's that's like a, a good trajectory for me so do you take time to reflect as you go or maybe i don't know maybe your blog helps you do that it really does i think the the blogging especially at first was was best for me just because it gave me a chance to to stop and think about what i was doing on a weekly basis. Like I didn't, I didn't want to start writing because I had something to say. I started writing because I wanted to find my voice. I felt like I had something to say, but I didn't know what it was. And so writing kind of forces you to think through that whole process. Hmm. Have you tried stuff out in, you know, I mean, you mentioned video earlier where you've tried something and you found that it didn't work in that kind of like, self-promoting way rather than work particularly um that's a good question i don't know for sure i've tried lots of different social media um avenues for putting myself out there and i think i've spread myself too thin at, at points and those are the times that i would say it didn't work out for me the, the video for example didn't work for you because you felt like it was taking over well my, my personality is to to get really excited about something new and try it. I get excited about one thing and then I get excited about the next thing. And so my problem is actually sticking with something long enough. Um, but I think I went too all in on that video and it was just more than I could handle. And I'm, I had, I wanted to do every single day. And so when I skipped a day, it was that, that thing where you're like, ah, I'm a failure. I can't do this. And I just stopped completely instead of the rational thinking, which is, I skipped one day. I'll just pick it up tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself, make two true and one a lie. Let me figure out the lie. Mm -hmm. What have you got for me? Truth number one, I lived in Japan for a year and a half. Truth number two, I lost everything that I own in a house fire. And truth number three, my wife and I have 13 cats and we want more. (laughs) You lived in Japan for a year and a half. You lost everything you own in a house fire and you have 13 cats and want more. What took you to Japan? Um, My dad worked for IBM. And so we moved there on, you know, a big project that he had to work on. House fire. Oh, oh, it's all. I mean, <laughs> nothing really to ask on that. It's just horrible. <laughs> Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. Uh, 13 cats, though. Okay, 13 cats. What are their names? Um, man, we named them after all of the, uh, the dwarves. 
So that's half of them, right? Yeah, and the other ones that we just swapped the first letter. It's really weird. We swapped the first letter of some of those, so it's it's confusing. No one ever remembers the cats' names, but we love them all. Um. Okay. I don't know. Uh, actually, I do know. I am gonna say, I'm gonna say that the cats isn't true because you made it sound so easy when your wife was away just to pack up the computer and drive to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> and in reality, you would have had to have taken care of 13 cats. You know, they're super, super self-reliant. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, unless you've really trained those, those cats to pour out the biscuits and, uh, and not just binge on them on the first day, <laughs> I'm going for the 13 cats, though I kind of want it to be true. That's the lie. That's the lie. Got it. <laughs> you would, of course, know all their names. I know. It, it, oh, that man. was quick. Th- that was quick thinking, though. You're a pretty good liar. Uh, well, that's good to hear. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> add, th- add that to the CV. <laughs> if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? Oh, man. I've, you know, my, my wife and I talked about this question not too long ago, and we're really big on no regrets. And so I've lived the life that I've lived and it's led me to where I am. So I don't regret things that I didn't do or did do. But if I did have to give myself, which really means anybody listening, uh, advice, it's to believe in yourself a lot sooner than you think you need to. Your brain has a lot more power than you think it does to, to solve problems that come up. And living a life of fear is not the best way to live. So do what you need to do to go free. Like if, if you want to go freelance, then my biggest advice is always get three to six months of savings in the bank. Make sure your skills are up to snuff. Like you can do the work and then start building relationships with people that are in their related industry and then just do it. Like no fear, go for it. Nice. You you mentioned earlier about how important relationships are to you. Mm-hmm. Is a lot of that Twitter based? I don't know. Like, yeah, how twi- do you keep them alive? Basically, Twitter is huge for me. Um, it just happens to be the way that I've connected with people. But the the way that I started building even more uh, deeper relationships with people that I knew on Twitter was to reach out personally and do Skype calls. Um, that's not in person, but it's way more. You get way more connected with somebody when you're talking face to face. Um, through through Skype or something like that. That was one of those things that I had to get over myself. Like it was this fear of rejection. I don't want to sound desperate and someone tell me off. Like no, you're you're just some new motion designer. I don't want to talk to you. But really, everybody was super duper kind and helpful and like genuinely wanted to help. So I was very surprised at how uh, how kind everybody was when I reached out to them. So in what way, so would you send them like a direct message on Twitter and saying, hey, do you want to catch up for coffee over Skype sometime? Pretty much. Or I've got a specific question and... Most of the people that I've reached out to like that have been people that I've tried to make some kind of connection just through Twitter, like retweeting their thing or, or talking to them about something they've put out there to establish at least some sort of a, a relationship. And then after I felt comfortable enough yeah, than just sending a direct message and saying, hey, I'd love to, to chat on Skype for 30 minutes if you have some time. Um, and those sessions usually turn into like an hour and a half, and it's always really good. So 
That's cool. Yeah. I like that. How do you find Instagram, by the way? Is that like a big one for you? It is a big one. Um, I haven't connected with people that's so much like the way I have on Twitter, but it's a mm. great medium for engagement. People are really paying a lot more attention to Instagram than they are on Twitter in terms of reaching out to new people. It, like, Twitter is so busy that that posting new work out there, it just flies by everybody's news, like everybody's feed. It's just gone in a second. But I, f- I find that Instagram, that, that medium in general, just kind of reaches people in a different way. So it's been good. And I've gotten, it's interesting, I've only recently gotten a couple of freelance inquiries. I don't I think one of them turned into a project, but some of them haven't. But to me, that's a, well, it's also a really big uh, place for hand lettering artists. And so to me, I want to get out there and, kind of reach those that audience through instagram yeah yeah do go to beingfreelance.com and follow the links through so you can see what austin is up to his wonderful work uh his blog as well and we'll put links to stuff like the sean wes podcast and things that he was talking about earlier as as well if you want to check those out but austin thank you so much thank you steve really appreciate it all the best being freelance thank you thank you